The king of the Breatharians, the leader of the Breatharian movement, was was caught at 7-Eleven with a hot dog. Uh, oh, no. It does make sense, because I must admit I've been a bit sceptical that you could live with just air. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. James Shramko here, and welcome to Think, Act, Get. And with me is my co-host, Ezra Firestone. G'day, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, James Shramko in the building, Ezra Firestone here as well. Thanks, James. Happy to be here, man. Well, this should be fun. We've put together this podcast to really tackle some of the key issues that are going to help people get more successful and as the shows develop and the episodes mature, we'll find out what people really want. But for starting, I guess we have a look at the whole point of think, act, get. And it's based around the the idea that the things that we think about really guide us into what sort of actions we take and the actions we take determine what sort of results we get in our life. So pretty much everything we've got now is a result of something that we've thought about and acted on in the past. So we're going to develop these issues. Uh, so what sort of topics we got lined up today, Ezra? Well, uh, thank you for that intro. Today we've got willpower. And I think uh, we've got willpower. We've got a couple other things like um, uh, a notes about an upcoming event and what we're going to do and what we should bring there. But but most importantly, willpower, because that, that really is um, sort of the the fundamental baseline for the think portion of the show. Because if you think about something and you don't take any action on it, nothing happens, right? Exactly. And what it takes to take action is willpower. So that's the baseline of, of our show today and what role it plays in business success. Fantastic. Tell me, at the time of recording this, it's fairly early on in the year. It's the time of year people are setting their business uh, for for the year, like thinking about what they're going to be doing. What have you been up to lately? I'm doing uh, I'll Own the Race course all day long. So uh, most of the folks listening probably know about your course, Own the Race course. And if they don't, they ought to check it out. Uh, is it up at owntheracecourse.com? Yeah, there's a, well, there's a page there with the first module there they can go and have a look at. Yeah, so I've been um, setting that system up for myself uh, and setting it up for all of my e-commerce stores and all my info businesses. Um, and it's taken, basically, I've spent the, the first full week of January just planning it out and laying out all the steps for each business and setting up my systems for it. So consistency is key, right? That You hear that quote all the time. And uh, so for me, I'm setting up these systems so that I can follow these action steps and consistently produce content and distribute it OTR style. And I will be owning the race course. And, and that's what I've been setting up. Looking at some of the metrics, you know, as, as I've published this course, I'm really interested in case studies. So I encourage listeners, if you are implementing own the race course in your business, then come back to us with comments and feedback about the, how that consistency has been helping you. In my case, I've been watching the views on YouTube and the number of subscribers joining my email list and my YouTube channel and my Facebook, and I can see it growing. And I think that the thing with consistency is often 
you don't think you're getting a result in the beginning. It seems like hard work, but it does snowball. I love that snowball effect. The idea that this little snowflake turns into a little ball and it gets into a bigger ball. And by the time it hits the bottom of the mountain, you've got this massive giant snowball that could take out a small village. The other interesting thing is with our own website here, we'll be implementing a lot of these techniques, which is to put up podcasts, to have transcriptions of the podcast. I really encourage listeners, go along to thinkactget.com and join the email list so that we can let you know when there's new things on the website. And you can see how this whole system works. Yeah, and that's a really good point is you can you can check out thinkactget.com and watch us do this from the start. So you'll be able to see this system in place. You can also check out superfastbusiness.com. That's, that's uh, one of the best examples of Own the Race course. So a question that comes up often when I'm talking to people about willpower is how do you train yourself to have a stronger will? Like what are some things that you can do to increase your willpower? And so here's a little system for it. What you do is you pick something that's, that's hard for you, not too hard, but something that's pretty difficult, and you commit to it for 30 days. And it doesn't have to be business-related because as you increase your willpower, you increase in all areas of your life. So for me, um, cutting out sugar is, is something that's pretty difficult, but it's something that I need to do. Uh, and I'll tell you a little story about this in a second. Um, so, so what I've chosen to do for the next 30 days is to cut out sugar, and that means all fruit, uh, all candy, all processed foods that have sugar in them. And once you realize the power of your own will, what you'll notice is that the sky's the limit. So um, I've got this story about a water fast that I did in Costa Rica. Uh, I tend to get enthusiastic about the things that the women in my life are are into. And I was hanging out with a gal who was really into raw food and water fasting and health. And uh, she 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 convinced me that it'd be a really good idea to go to Costa Rica and do a water fast for 21 days. So this is 21 days, just water. Uh, and so we went and we did it. And when you're drinking only water for more than a few days, what happens is your digestive system shuts down. And the theory behind it is that your body spends so much energy digesting food that when you when it stops digesting, it has time to go in and do deep cleaning. But this was a really profound experience for me, and it was what really kicked off my entrepreneurial adventure. Uh, once I'd done that, once I'd water fasted, had no food in my body for 21 days, I just had this sense that I could pretty much do anything. And the cool thing about uh, online marketing and online businesses and really anything is that all the information that you need is available to you. It's at your fingertips. It's on Google. It's on superfastbusiness.com. And if you have the willpower to sit down and implement this stuff, you'll be amazed at the results. Yeah, I like that. That's that's interesting. I guess this might be the part of the show where we have to issue some kind of medical disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm certainly by no means a doctor yeah. or whatever. So to do these things at your own risk. I was wondering if you'd yeah. ever tried being a breatharian. No, but I'll tell you what, you, you know, you heard about the breatharian guy, right? Well, yeah, so apparently you can just live on oxygen. The king of the breatharians, the leader of the breatharian movement was was caught at 7-Eleven with a hot dog. Uh, oh, no. It does make sense because I must admit I've been a bit skeptical that you could live with just air. No, <laughs> but, man, I know. I, 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 you know, I was, I was reading about it for a while. You know, I, I pay attention to all these sort of movements in the health and wellness space. And uh, well, I think that's what we can rely on you to do, Ezra, is to bring some unique perspective to this because you and I are quite different in some ways you were raised in a hippie commune in hawaii is that right 
That is correct. And yeah. also in California. So I grew up with a plum in my mouth in a rich suburb of Sydney. So we had very different upbringings. And this is what hopefully will enrich the fabric of this show. Now, I want to hop on this topic of willpower for a second. I was reading a great book called Willpower Rediscovering Our Greatest Strength. It was my best book of 2012. And it's by Roy Baumeister and John Tierney. One of the things that really triggered my attention is that they said willpower is depleted as you use it up. So if you are going to tackle this sort of thing, you want to be doing it early when your willpower is the strongest. And that's usually after you've woken up and you're fresh. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is they indicated that daily measurements or frequent measurements really increase the performance because you, uh, for example, with our uh, when we put on our pants, if we were to wear the same pants every day and start increasing our stomach size, sooner or later, we're going to hit the limit and then we go, uh-oh, you know, these, these pants don't fit anymore. So that is like an indicator that things are going off track. But I think we sometimes don't measure the things that we're most afraid of because we'd be worried if we do, it's not going to look pretty, you know, if we're eating three cartons of uh, cigarettes a day, smoking those, then it, it, you know, we don't want to even know how many we're smoking because it just seems like it, we'd be scared of the results. So maybe some of this is facing that, having the courage to measure. You know, that's a really, really good point. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I don't measure certain things that I'm not, I don't want to know the result of, such as, you know, uh, uh, blood sugar and things like that. So... You know, like that dieting thing where you actually put the sugar that you consume out and take a picture of it. And when I did that, I got a I got a bottle of Coke, and I think it was a five hundred mil bottle. I'm not sure what that translates to in American ounces on a big glass of some kind. And there was sixty six grams of sugar, and I laid out these little five gram sachets, and there was a lot of them. And when you stack them all out and took a picture of it, like it fills up half your table of these sugar sachets. Imagine walking into the coffee shop, Starbucks, and saying, I'd, I'll have a, uh, a cappuccino. I don't know what you call them. You've got weird names, a venti or something. And you say, and by the way, could I have 26 sugars in that, please? They'd, they'd probably look at you a bit weird, but that's exactly what we're drinking in a big can of Coca-Cola. And so I just stopped drinking it after that because – putting the actual measurement in front of me and quantifying it, I'm like, this is crazy. And another one that stands out, I was listening to an episode of I Love Marketing, our friends Joe Polish and Dean Jackson, and they had a brain doctor on there, a neuro expert, and he was talking about if you had a racing horse that you'd spent a lot of money on and had to win millions of dollars in prize money, you wouldn't feed it a packet of chips or fries or junk food or Mars bars, but that's what we stuff in our own body. And what's more important than our own vehicle for success, you know, our brain and our, our body is what drives our whole business. If we're broken, our business isn't going to get very far. You know, that's a really good point that what you put in is what you get out. And, and that comes, that's, that's in all levels of business. That's not just how much, how many hours you put into working on your business. That's what you put into your body, what you put into your mind. What are the, what are the subconscious thoughts? Like I, I watched this, um, 
this study that they did on children and they showed um, they showed this it was a group of seven year old girls and they showed half of them um, for it was took place over a week and they showed half of them uh, horror like cartoons that had violence and um, scary things in it like horror 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 style cartoons and they showed the other half of these um, seven year olds cartoons that had uh, you know, happy endings and people having fun and dancing. And then they, they watched the behavior of these children after they showed them that media. And the ones who'd been basically, um, the ones who'd ingested, if you want to look at it that way, violence and um, horror and negativity were uh, much more prone to outbursts and tantrums and fights. And the ones who uh, consumed media that 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 was positive were happier and were more friendly and so it's it's a really good point that what you're putting in even sometimes you don't realize that you're ingesting this stuff you're in, you ingest all the advertising that's that you know that you walk by so i agree well think about that on a whole national level uh, some people think that the these uh, violence problems that are being caused in the USA for example has an incredibly high rate of gun homicide compared to other countries. They think perhaps it might be the environment. You know, people are watching bad news. They're playing very violent games. They have uh, that you know. There's that, that whole toxic environment creates and you know these results. People are thinking about these things a lot, and and their actions are actually dictating these terrible outcomes. So, as a business owner, or or even for an, on a personal success level. I think the point you're making is we need to make a conscious, willpower, determined effort to bring in good, nutritious food and information into our brain that can then result in good outcomes, like consuming good quality podcasts like this one or reading a good quality book that will help you get more mastery in an area of your life that you are interested in. So we've been theoretical here. Let's talk practical what can the listeners do? How can we make this show make a difference for people? Let's go into like an action session here. Let's jump into the weekly willpower wager. Each week, we're going to give you guys something to do, some, some action that you can follow for the next seven days and see if you have the willpower to pull this off and come back and report to us in the comments uh, on iTunes. So, uh, the one for this week that we'd like you to do is each day for the next seven days, and it has to be at least 10 minutes in length, consume one piece of educational content, audio, video, text, doesn't matter what it is, and take one action in your business based on something you learn. And the thought process behind that is that most business owners get buried in their businesses and they don't spend enough time paying attention to what will help them go grow. So the goal here is to have people put attention on education as a means to grow their business. So maybe it's you listen to a podcast every day for a full week and you take one action in your business based on that podcast and come back and comment in iTunes and let us know how that went for you. Fantastic. So this is going to be a a working study. So each episode, we're going to issue a challenge. Originally, when we're thinking about the show, we're thinking we might challenge each other. But I think it's really cool to challenge the audience. Let's get the listener up off the sofa and doing something cool. And uh, use what we know, what we've learned from from reading about this and, and studies and from our own examples. Attack that thing when you have the most strength. That is 
the key to being able to get the results. And I think if you can indoctrinate this as a habit and a routine, then it becomes easier. Absolutely. Tell us about physical things. Yeah, I guess, would you describe your lifestyle as alternate? How do you describe the way you live? I think it's pretty alternative, man. It's pretty hippy-dippy and uh, airy-fairy. You know, I live in New York City. <laughs> I do yoga uh, multiple times per week. I eat vegan, a vegan diet. I, I don't have a set schedule. So, you know, I've, I've got a, a fairly alternative lifestyle that uh, is, is different than most. Um, and, you know, I think it's really important. I think that, you know, one of the things that you ought to do for yourself and, and this is this is actually one of the tips that we're going to get to later, but I'll just throw it in right now. Um, I think it's really important to experience to experience what it is you're working for on a daily basis. So you're working in your business and you're looking for financial freedom or freedom of time or um, you know freedom of location. So whatever it is that you're looking to have, you ought to experience that on a daily basis so you know what it is you're working for. Do something nice for yourself. Take yourself out to dinner. Have a massage. Have a yoga class. Get yourself in shape. Like Treat yourself like royalty because the better that you feel in your body, the better you feel in your life, the better results you're going to get in your business and the better responses you're going to have from the people who you relate with. That is fantastic. And this ties right in with the science. The authors of Willpower Rediscovering Our Greatest Strength said that you should reward often. So I guess for this weekly challenge, we should say, well, set a reward perhaps that you can feel good about when you've achieved this. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Oh, and another thing just on goals, you don't have to set like a black and white. You maybe don't have to tick every single box, but you could reward yourself to the degree of success. So if you got half of it done, maybe you have a, a got half of it done reward. If you got all of it done, maybe you get a, an all of it done reward so you can set a little competition. So next we've got news and updates. One thing that's going on for both James and I is that we're headed to an event next week in California, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about what should people bring to events. And oftentimes people think, oh, I should bring my business card, I should bring uh, a flyer, I should bring really nice clothes, and they think about these physical things, these um, baubles, for lack of a better word, that they can bring to the event. And I think what's much more important to bring to an event is a goal. What are you trying to get? out of this event. You know, any any time that you're going somewhere for business, it could be a local meetup, it could be a big event, it could be just a business meeting. What is your agenda? What do you want to get out of it? And then you can figure out what you need based on that. And so um, my goal for for this event coming up is to increase my network, to meet to there's there's a few key people who I know are going to be there who I'd really like to relate with and who I'd like to get to know and who I'd like to include in my network. And so that's my agenda for this event. And I've got strategies set up for how I'm going to do it. I had a friend set up a date, uh, a, a dinner date for, for one person who I'd really like to meet. Oh, I like that concept, Ezra, because I don't think people are going to the event so that they can be marketed to with flyers and business cards. Just that's a hunch. I think people are going to the event for what's in it for them. And recognizing this, we think, well, what will people like? They might want to improve their business. So when I go to an event, and for me, I have to travel a little bit further to that same event. I'm traveling, it will take me about 16, 17 hours, two airplane flights, uh, two transits. I definitely have to take my passport. That's a bobble worth taking. I don't really have a big agenda. 
it's funny, but I don't have a big goal. One of my mentors, his version of saying goal would be the point. He'd say, what is the point? What is the point of me going? So on a, on a real macro level, I'll say, okay, airfare plus accommodation and a week out of my life, what's a good exchange for that? For me, it's reconnecting with an overseas market who are prolific buyers of my products and services. And the main reason they buy from me is because I'm able to solve their problems. So I'll actually go to the event with a different viewpoint. It's not who can I sell to. It's how can I solve as many people's problems as possible. When I talk to people, I'm putting myself in their shoes and think about their business and the challenges they've got. And then I'll think about uh, how could you know what would I do in their shoes? And it's regardless of whether it be my product or service, it doesn't even matter. Because if I help someone solve their problems, they'll, they'll like me. And if they ever hear about someone who needs problem solving that I can actually help with, they will definitely recommend me. And a good example of that is possibly how our paths have kind of crossed in the past where I've been at the same event as you or we're in the same sort of circles and people say nice things about us to each other. That means that we've got a basis for the next stage of the business relationship and more than likely that we'll become friends, good friends outside of business and that's just how these things work over time. So for me, it's just reconnecting with that US market because I'm based in Australia. I like to get on a plane and go and meet it. And, and one of the other things is I'll pick my events very carefully because it is a logistical financial time commitment. I want to make sure that it's the right type of people and that there's enough of them that it's going to have a value return. Right on. I have a question for you on that. Do you find, since you, know, you, you, you go to all kinds of events and meetups and stuff, do you find that you get more uh, data on what people's problems are when you talk to them face-to-face than you do any other way? Well, there's no better selling medium than face-to-face because you can look someone in the eye and you can read – You can I can see the pain on someone's face when they're telling me their problem. I can tell you a scenario. I was at a, a lounge at an event earlier last year and I was talking to this lady and I said, well, tell me what's happening in your business and she told me. And I said, what are your biggest sort of challenges and obstacles? And she told me, and I could see the strain in her face when she was telling me this. And I said, that must be tough. And she paused and then burst into tears. And and then I gave wow. her a big hug and I said, it's okay, you'll be fine. A year later, I've been helping this person and her business is going fantastically well because she just she finally connected with someone who understood what she was going through. And I doubt that would have come over a telephone call or over Skype. That is a face-to-face moment and it's it's an emotional medium and you can get a lot more information than just the words coming out of someone's mouth. You can see that you can hear the tone, you can see the physicality and you can really and, – and that's the other thing is people gauge me. They'll be looking at me saying, can I trust this person when he's right. – is he looking in the eye? Does he have a nervous twitch or uh, does he keep rubbing his head or easing the collar to let all the bullshit out? <laughs> what is this person really like? There's yeah. fascinating books on this too and I think we should really dig into this more when we get to the actions part. 
with my sales background and dealing with face-to-face people and debt collection, I've learned a lot about the way that people act when they're, it's what they're telling you when they're not saying something that I find fascinating. So I love face-to-face and I think I'm probably reasonably social, even though most of the year I'm sitting in my lab in relative isolation. When I go to these things, it's like a huge hypodermic shot to the arm of people boom you know thousands of people everywhere <laughs> you, you get your fill and then you get out and then you get back in you know one thing i want to say on that is that um actually I, I get feedback quite often from people and they say hey there's no event in my area or there's no you know there's no meetup groups in my area and my advice there if you're feeling like you'd like to be out in front of your community or with your community but you don't have anywhere to do it is to be the catalyst create the event start a meetup group Create a Facebook event, invite your friends, and it will snowball over time. And so if you don't have any events that are around you in your in your niche, in your market, you can be the catalyst for it because there are other people who are interested in the things that you're interested in. And if you want to talk to them, you can just create the event. This is so true. You know, last night I hopped in my car and I drove down to uh, – it was nearby. It's about half an hour away to a pub. And there was a bunch of people from my internet marketing community. And it's quite a surreal moment. I'm sitting there in a hoodie that has my own brand label on it, talking to people who have joined my community that I created because I felt it was missing. I wanted to have a community of people who want to talk about internet business because in normal society, in, in my field, people look at you as if you have five heads. And I'm sure you get that when you talk about a water fast and uh, growing up in a commune. It's not, it's not the norm. It's not, not the exact same as everyone else has. So to be able to come together with other people in your local area is great. And I actually created that. And, and now the, these meetups happen in London and they happen in San Francisco, they happen in Melbourne and they happen in Dubai of all places. Wow. You know, they're, they're starting to, to snowball and I created that and it's something I'm proud of and I feel good about, but I love the community spirit. And there's only hundreds of people, there's 500 and something people in this particular community, but when they come together, they're strong. And in fact, there'll be, you'll, you'll meet half a dozen of them at the event that we're going to. So even though I'm based in Sydney, we'll have half a dozen people in San Francisco there who are coming together with something in common and more context than just being strangers. They meet regularly in an online community called Fast Web Formula and when they meet face-to-face, that's when they can really help each other more and it's beautiful to watch. And I've been doing this now for about five years uh, running these communities and I think it's a wonderful thing to either be a part of or to create. Yeah, it's really true. You know, it's it's the old-fashioned chopstick formula. One chopstick on its own is not strong. But you get a group of chopsticks together and you try to break that over your break that over your knee, you're not going to be able to do it. So, um yeah, creating I was thinking groups that, and being that, um, part of groups is you a, can eat a, lot a really more. valuable thing that you can do for yourself. I was thinking you can eat a lot more with two chopsticks than one chopstick. They work well in pairs. <laughs> exactly. Like you can do the whole spear thing, you know, I'll spear that spring roll, but I think the rice is going to get tricky with one chopstick. Yeah, well, you know, if you, if you, get, if you get the scoopshin right, then you can get it. <laughs> but you, you got to flip the chopstick around so you have the flat version, the flat side of it, um, and then you can kind of sh- do a bit of a shovel. I'll tell you what, I could do a race with you where 
I'll give you double the time with one chopstick and I'll just have two chopsticks. How about that? Do I get do I get circuit do I get to use the circular motion? You could use whatever motion you want. You get oh, one chopstick. On. You are on. I'll twice the time back. as me with two. So we'll have a chopstick <laughs> challenge. I think we'll have to find some Chinese or something when we meet up and, and maybe get out a flip cam or something. Yeah, well, let's definitely do that. It'll be funny. And then maybe the readers could tell us if if they'd like to, to do that. Listeners can tell us if they want to hear, uh, see a chopstick challenge. Yeah, if we get uh, okay. a comment, we'll throw it on the blog. Yeah, it'll have to be vegan, I imagine. It shouldn't be hard. Um, All right. So give us a quote, Ezra. Here we go. So this is the think about it portion of the show where we hit you with a quote and then you think about it. This quote's by the Donald, good old-fashioned Donald Trump. He says, I like thinking big. If you're going to be thinking anything, you might as well think big. There you go. Well, I'll throw in a quote too, and this will relate to the doing the willpower thing. The, one of the greatest quotes that I've seen is from Sun Tzu, Art of War, and it's be like water. So... Water just gets around obstacles. It comes up against a log, no problem. It just flows past it. If you freeze it, uh, then it'll just melt later on and come back down the mountain. <laughs> if you burn it, it turns into steam and then it'll rain back down into the ocean. It's just indestructible and that's how you can be as you approach these little obstacles that are going to inevitably come along to try and sabotage your action attempt. You just be like water and just f- escape that obstacle, flow around it, it's almost as if it doesn't exist. I really like that one. All right, let's do like a little rapid fire round of uh, tips. I think we can give a couple of tips to head out with the the show. And just before I do that, uh, I think what would be cool is for our listeners to go along to iTunes when we finish this show and make a comment. Tell us how we're going so far. I mean, this is episode one. We have nothing to work with here. We're on a blank canvas. And also... Give us suggestions for future episodes. I've got one in mind, Ezra, and that would be to talk about some of the things that we've done to set up this actual show because it is a case study. We thought it would be a good idea and we're yet to find out if the market likes that or not. We've made some actions, which is you've done a few things and I've done a few things and we've brought them together. And then what did we get? We got this podcast. So we're working some behind the scenes stuff. Would our listeners like to know what what we're actually doing here? That would be interesting. All right. So head us off with a tip, Ez. Here we go. Mindset and strategy. So you can increase your capacity to have by doing anonymous good. Now, what is a capacity to have? Well, it's the phenomenon of a person's ability to have or not have things, right? Everyone has the ability to have certain things. Like take Donald Trump, for example, the quote we just gave you. That guy has the capacity to have a lot of money, but he has a low capacity for close and long-term relationships. I think he's on his like eighth marriage or something. And by understanding this concept, you can increase your capacity to have in the financial realm. Another good example of the capacity to have is the statistic that's, that shows that 85% of all multi-million dollar lottery winners are broke within five years. And that's not a reflection of them being terrible people or anything like that. It's just a reflection of their capacity to have money. If you have a pitcher and a shot glass and you start pouring water into the pitcher, that pitcher is going to be able to hold a lot more than the shot glass. So how do you increase 
your capacity to have money. Well, you, you increase it by doing anonymous good. Now, what is anonymous good? It's a good deed that you do that you don't take any credit for. So most of the good deeds that we do are actually a form of barter intentionally or unintentionally, like you you rake your friend's yard or you give your mom flowers, you're receiving credit for those things in as much as the person that you're doing them for knows that you've done it. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and stop doing nice things. I'm just saying that they won't increase your capacity to have money. Only things done 100% anonymously will. And here's why. If you've ever had siblings or housemates, then you'll resonate with this example. So you've got $5 in your room or a sandwich in the fridge and you come home and it's missing. Your sandwich is gone. Well, what happens next? You start to blame people. You start thinking, oh, Johnny, that no good stand sandwich thieving. Like you, you start thinking, you know, you start blaming people. And, 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 and when you do anonymous good, the opposite of this happens. So an anonymous good deed creates a bunch of good energy that gets put out into the world with no specific direction attached to it, no one accepting credit for it. So you leave someone flowers anonymously and they start blaming the good on people. They start, oh, it must have been this person. And they start feeling really good about it. And that subconsciously gives you permission to have more in your life. So go out and do some anonymous good. I love it. Love it. And I don't think I've heard that theory before. It might be something like paying it forward. Yeah, it's, it's sort of uh, – yeah, it's good. Yeah, karma style. On a, on a related note, I did experience this thing, well, you might do good things for someone, but that's not exactly where it will come back to you. It seems to come back somewhere else. Like when you go down to the playground and if you – because by the way, I don't do that as an adult man. That'd be kind of weird. But when I was a kid, right? You know those swing chairs. If you if you push the one in front of you, then the one behind you will poke you in the back. So you push your energy one way, but it comes back somewhere else. And I thought that's a nice example of the the circle of life. You push something one way, it goes all the way back around the chain and and ends up back at you. Anyway, I've got a tip about systems. I love systems. We're using a system to create this show. And I do that because both you and I have got this um, lifestyle that we've created where we don't necessarily have appointments pulling us all over the place. So we have to actually set a routine to make this work. And one of the suggestions that we thought was a good idea when we were setting up the show is to tag this show into an existing catch up that we already have that way there's almost no extra effort for us to flip on the recorder and have a discussion so if we're going to have a scheduled meeting already and we just piggyback that with a show then it means our weekly appointment or our weekly recurring schedule now becomes routine it will become a habit in fact if we don't do the show we'll have withdrawal symptoms we'll actually miss it and we'll be craving to do the next show. So that's how we design a system to make something work, to harness our natural routine and just insert it in the least friction, the least resistance place for it to be able to occur. Right on. We could just recap or reinforce the strongest point from today's show. How about, I mean, we both have a good lifestyle and hopefully we can share some of the things that are causing that with our listeners. And I love that thing you mentioned before about enjoying yourself and experiencing something on a regular basis. And I've certainly used the reward mechanism because I am competitive. I think I've recognized that about me and I set little rewards for when I'm doing something good and I like to lock in that good behavior. I like to say, well, you know what? I, th- I thought 
about doing something, I took that action and I got the result, I'm going to reward myself for doing that to encourage me to do it again. <laughs> because when, it, you know, when you start out at the, the dark, early light of day and you've got a daunting task in front of you, it's nice to go, well, you know what, every other time I've done this, I got the result that I was happy with. So uh, one that jumps out is skydiving. When I f- jumped out of the plane and I actually got to land without splatting on the planet Earth, that was a it was, it was the action of jumping out of the plane, knowing that that there's a system to catch me, the parachute, and a professional to guide me through the fall, and I was able to land safely. So what that meant for me was the result that I got was success for doing that. So next time I'm faced with a fearful situation i just do i do the little algorithms is there a system to catch me uh is there some guidance that to make sure that i'm removing all the possible errors have other people done it before and it's worked out for them yes has it worked out for me before yes you know what i'm going to take that action step so listeners get out there and do your seven day action challenge set yourself some rewards to the degree of success you achieve it and comment on thinkactget.com about your results. Share that inspiration and inspire others. Well said, James. I mean, I, I got nothing to add to that. That's uh, I, I'm just happy to be here with you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope you enjoyed it. We look forward to hearing from you. And we really want this to be in response to what you want. So if you let us know, if you if something came up, any thought, doesn't matter if you think it's a good thought or a bad thought, if you had a thought at all, please let us know because we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Ezra. We'll catch up soon. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free. 